0: Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message.
1: Your church and you people have been on our hearts and minds for the last several weeks. And uh, as Apostle John pointed out, I'm an author, theologian, but my heart is for you and with you, whether you don't know me, because of this brother in Elaine. I respect them both greatly, not because he's so good looking.
0: <laughs>
1: no, I respect him for his heart in God. And I pray tonight that we're speaking to a people who have a heart for God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Who have a hunger to say, Lord, I don't want to waste my life. I want to be what you want me to be. Amen. In my life, God has blessed me with the, I'm prejudiced. Most beautiful lady <laughs> in the room. <laughs> oh my.
0: This is my wife, Sione.
1: And uh, we met at a conference 27 years ago Amen. where I was asked to speak at an interdenominational missions conference in a little town called Hepner, Oregon. And uh, when Siona came in at lunchtime, the second day, <laughs> she was happy, <laughs> smiling, giving a little hug to people. I'm a huggy person, so, you know, she's warm. And uh, she was very pretty.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I then, asked her to go for coffee,
0: and, <laughs>
1: and I gave her an interview. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Amen. That's the next book
1: we're going to write. Yeah. Anyways, um, she went to the food line, got her tray, and she had her Bible, and she's all got all this. And I just brazenly walked over to her and said, Hi. And she knew me because I'd spoken there once before. I didn't know her. I quasi recognized her, but this was a different setting. Anyhow, um, What she really did was, the bottom line was, we got married three and a half months later. (laughs) (laughs) And And uh, I'm so thankful. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you're a godly man, you've got a godly wife, be thankful. Yes, Lord. There's two things in life that are really important and worth more than diamonds and gold. The first one is to know Christ. And our salvation. Mm-hmm. Our eternal plan, our retirement program has been paid for.
0: Yes. Amen. Know
1: that. The second thing that's most important of value in our lives are those that God gives us those who support us in faith to go mountain climbing into the presence of the Lord, yes, those who hold us steady on the road of life. And Sione, she's just been an awesome wife in a thousand ways. I could never thank her enough for I can't thank God enough for the help she's been as I spend my time in writing and different things and doing things that she knows the Lord's laid in my heart. So that's Sioni. Yeah. <laughs> I smooch you but they're looking. Yeah. It's hard to express mixed emotions. Some things in life that give you two sides of the coin of emotions. And my side of it, and one side is, I'm super happy to be here with the opportunity. God-given. I've just spent two weeks on the coast. It's our time out for the whole year. We have that set aside. We spent at least three hours a day going through notes on what should I share here tonight. I don't have a canned speech or something that we share from place to place. What is it that the Lord wants me to share? Now, Apostle John asked me a question. He said, can you share for a couple of sessions on how to build a five-fold ministry church? So I focused on that. And I have more notes than I'll get to. So I left him all of my notes so he can continue with whatever we get to. And that's the joy side. It's a joy to serve the Lord and to know the impact of what we do. If you know that you are life and light and you're affecting souls for eternity, you have a good positive sense of Mm -hmm. well-being as our worship unto Christ. John chapter 1, Jesus, rather, John, the apostle said, he came into the world and in him was life. In verse 4, in him was life. And that life was the light of man. Mm -hmm. In other words, the life that Jesus brings to us the knowledge of the Father, the supernatural, the Spirit of God, brings us light. In him was life, and then it says he was the light of the world. Mm -hmm. And the life that was brought and the light that was given, the darkness comprehended it not. There's a whole lot of folks you can talk to that understand a certain amount of religion, But they won't understand the light mm. because faith has never grown to have roots. It's just like in relationships, some of us have a very difficult time really trusting people. On the one hand, I love people. I love I'm a social animal. Love to fellowship, love to talk God. On the other side of the coin, I'm just a little slow to trust people mm-hmm. because my road in life has been just a little bit rocky.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've Amen. often said life is like a mountain road, you know. The, the views change at every corner, and there's cliffs and drop-offs at places, and, you know, that's just plain life. In Christ is life. I find His life is profound. I love the worship tonight. Ladies, that led the worship to the anointing on that. You know, when you reach into the heavenly things, I've found over the years that God is faithful. Mm -hmm. We can trust him. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So to learn to trust God, where he's no longer just the power in the sky, the one to be afraid of, he's going to judge you someday, but that he becomes my father in heaven. Mm -hmm. Huge difference. So relationship is really important. I'm talking about a God relationship to really come to trust our God. We we need to know who we are and where we're going. I'm talking about building a five-fold church. It'll only be built by those who know who they are and they also know where they're going. Do you want to be effective for God? Do you want to be used of God? Do you want... a a super welcome when you come home to heaven. Mm, Amen. You know, not a question of will I make it. There's two kinds of Christians in the world. The one is what I call a fire insurance Christian.
0: Mm.
1: Now, let me talk about a fire insurance Christian. They believe in the Bible. They believe what it says, that there's a heaven to gain and hell to shun. They understand right and wrong. They understand that all wrong is a breach of the holiness and laws of God. And they have a fear of God, and they do their religious bit to just waylay that fear. I've got to go to church. I've got to, I've got to say prayer before my food. I can't say the wrong word. I can't look at the wrong movie. It's what we do. And they have a fear of God, and they go to church, and they get into a, a pattern of go do their religious thing Mm -hmm. because what they really want is because of their fear of hell and judgment, they are fire insurance Christians. Mm -hmm. The religious walk is just their fire insurance. Now, let's take that into the other side of the coin. Then we have the relational Christian. Mm -hmm. They believe that God's love the world. They believe that Christ was on the cross and you were on his mind. Mm -hmm. They believe in the love of God that's so profound. They believe they've come into a trust relationship that it's a joy to worship him as our creator. They believe in the plan of God. They love to talk God. They'll witness when they can. The fire insurance Christian will never witness to other people. I mean, if they're asked, are you a Christian? They'll say, yes, I am but will they ever have a burden in their heart to pray for somebody uh-huh. or lead them to Christ? No, they don't. I don't want to be a fire insurance Amen. Christian. A fire insurance, insurance Christian will never be used of God to build a fivefold church. It's only those who desire relationship and presence. Let's just switch that for a moment. Presence deals with walking after the Spirit. Presence deals with saying, Lord, I need you. It's taken me a long time in my life to learn to get into a habit. And I don't always get the habit, but it's not bad. To wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is set my mind, Holy Spirit, I need you. Lord, be with me today. I want to be spiritual. Spiritually minded. Uh uh I want to be seeking God. Is that what you want? Or do you just want fire insurance? Oh, I have scared silly of the thought of hell and eternal judgment, the sixth doctrine of the Christian faith. (laughs) Get beyond that because you're in a terrible place. That's that's torment. Get into relationship. Lord, I need you. Uh When we talk about Christian faith... Personally, I know who I am. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I was a good religious heathen until I was 28 years old. (laughs) Believe me, God changed my life in such a profound way. I knew that he had seen me at a certain point in time, something happened on a mountainside, and I went home and I'd spend night after night from 9 o'clock to sometimes 1, 2 in the morning reading my Bible, trying to understand. And God took me to the book of Romans. I went through the book again and again, slow speed, sentence by sentence, verse by verse. And at a certain point, I got to Romans four sixteen, where it says, Abraham is the father of all those who believe. And at that point, the spirit of revelation broke through in my mind. At the time, I didn't understand that terminology. I didn't understand what happened. I couldn't explain it to anybody, but it was a spirit of revelation. Because all of a sudden, in a flash of a second, my understanding exploded into seeing Abraham and the plan of God. That was right from, like the Bible says, and I have notes here in text for that, but it's dealing with the plan of God. Know that God has a plan. If you want to simplify the plan Look at this way. All of this earth, from Adam to the last soul, and the trumpet blows, and Jesus takes us home. All of that is a fishing expedition. God's got his net out there for those who want to seek him. Be aware, your salvation is God's plan. It wasn't your plan, it was his plan. My Bible tells me that he wants all to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. That's God's desire. But he's looking for those who look to him.
0: Yes.
1: He made salvation possible, but it's up to us to seek to find.
0: Yes. Yes. It's
1: our responsibility, and God sees our hearts as to what we want. Tonight, what is it that you want in God? Mm-hmm. And I want to pose a couple of questions about that. I'm here to spend some time on fivefold ministry. Because why? I see what is needed in the churches. Mm-hmm. Not here, in every church. There's a whole lot of problems with church. I'm a critic. <coughs> now, on the other side of the coin, I didn't come to bring a baseball bat to the church. The truth is, I thank God for every church that holds a Bible. There's some churches I greatly disrespect much of their teachings, theology, leadership, ministry. I greatly disrespect. But they still have some that get saved in these churches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes. let's say thank God for that. Amen. You know, they're God's people. It's his church, it's not our church. Right. Amen? But There's a whole lot of difference in terms of what I believe I must be and I should do. And that should be the same for all of us here tonight. We need to know who we are in Christ and what the Lord have us do. We need to have a holy vision. We need to have the works of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Spend a little bit of time on that. When you talk about ministry, when you talk about fivefold church building, ministry comes by the work of the Holy Spirit within, who will begin by giving you a burden in your heart. It's Christ. It's the Holy Spirit working within you to bring about a burden. It doesn't start with a, Trumpet in the middle of the night, or a flash of a yeah. lightning, or lightning bolt. It comes in just walking, seeing needs, and knowing that every person that doesn't have salvation is heading for a terrible destination. That's right. Yes. You know, as a theologian, I can take time to demonstrate very quickly that the Bible is the holy word of God. It's the termed infallibility of scriptures. The cross was not just spoken of in the New Testament. How many people know that? How many people know the picture of the cross in the Old Testament? Anybody here know that? Okay. You understand that the Passover portrayed the cross. That's right. Amen. Where he took the blood of the lamb and he said, strike. Now, some lesser Bible versions, they have a different wording. They changed the King James two Roman Catholic priests in the 18th century took the King James Bible created the American Standard and they changed that and a lot of versions today are from the American Standard Version but if you look at the Hebrew of that word it's a forceful thing dip your hyssop your weed stuff that came with sin strike the doorpost and strike the lintel and you've got the cross and the blood the promise then get Christ to the door get in behind that door and the death things going to pass by. Right. You know, we, we see a picturing of the cross and what God's plan is. Now, we need to know how we fit into that plan. When you come to salvation, you've only come to the door. Mm-hmm. That's right. When you say, Jesus, forgive me my sins, and I really mean it, I repent, change my life. Cover my sins in the blood. All that stupid stuff that we've all done. Mm -hmm. If you're one of the ones that didn't do any stupid stuff, you don't belong here tonight. (laughs) (laughs) We need the grace of God. But now you enter the door, that is the beginning of a journey. You have not arrived. That's a problem. It's taught into a lot of places. I'm here now, and I've arrived. I recall while writing... I want some backup scriptures and literature and stuff from a Baptist church to see what they really taught. I didn't want to quote them. I knew what they taught, but I wanted the paperwork, the hard data, because I'm going to speak to that. And I found the writings that they said because Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed for you, there's nothing more for you to do. Woo. <laughs> I violently disagree with that person and that theology. That's right. I believe there's a whole lot to do, and I believe that Jesus said, I will build my church, Mm -hmm. my church. There's a whole lot of people go about building their church. church. We want to build the church of Jesus Christ. So again, I thank God for every other church that has a Bible, as long as it's not a cult. Cults deny the deity of Christ, Cults deny the doctrine of eternal judgment. Two, two doctrines, all cults, Mormon, J-Dub, and a whole bunch more, they all deny those two doctrines. But as long as they're a Christian church, even the Roman Catholic church, where I greatly struggle with a lot of things,
0: <laughs>
1: but I will not call them a cult because they do not deny the virgin birth, they do not deny substitutionary atonement even though the leadership is something else. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm just being blunt, and that's what you see is what you get. (laughs) Anyhow, we need to know who we are and that there's a divine purpose for you in God. With that, I'm going to change direction a smidgen to purpose. We talk about ministry and ordination. I believe in that. But there's a great wrong that is presented to the church when they do not understand ordination. Mm-hmm. John chapter 15, the Lord Jesus Christ said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, my father's a husbandman, Then if you go down a few verses, it says, I have ordained you that you might bear forth fruit. Every believer, that wasn't written to the apostles, it wasn't written to those particular ministry people. If you're in the vine, if you're a branch that's alive in the vine, you're going to produce fruit. Mm -hmm. Branches that do not produce fruit are cut off and burned. We're ordained, I don't care how simple you may be, in education, knowledge, and you may personally have a sense of, I'm not worthy, I'm not much. However, may we know that in the eyes of our God, you are ordained, whether you like it or not. That's right. I've ordained you, what? To bear forth fruit. One of the things of fivefold ministry churches, and that's getting to the very bottom of the teachings would be this the church that does not teach that every Christian is a ministry and should be a ministry mm-hmm. is missing the point right. uh-huh. yeah. amen? amen we are the light of the world yes. Yes. we are the salt all of us are God help us to become that
0: yes yes
1: I don't want a plumber who shows up with no toolbox
0: oh. yeah. <laughs>
1: Amen. Yeah, amen. I can't handle an electrician that doesn't at least have a screwdriver. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and to gain knowledge under God, to be what God wants you to be, now you're into something which is a little different. Again, back to John chapter 1, where John said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word is with God, the Word was God, all things are made by him. Then he goes on to talk about what we are in Christ. We are life and light bearers. Amen? Mm -hmm. We are to be light. We're called of God to be ministry people. And a five-fold ministry church that only believes in the scripture that says he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, if that's where we end the story, let the story end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A fivefold church will never be what I call a fivefold church until we have respect for every person in the pew. That's right. That's Amen.
0: right.
1: I don't care how limited you may feel inside, God can change us. God can use us. Oh. God wants to. Yes. He wants to pour out his anointing. He wants to pour out his spirit and he wants us to receive from him. Mm -hmm. Now, we know the scriptures that Christ ascended on high. I think most of us have it. Um, You pop up Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, that Christ ascended on high and gave gifts unto men. Uh Then he diversifies from that, and Paul often does that in his writings. He gets into a secondary topic to explain the ascending and descending, and then he goes on to verse 11. It says he gave some, Uh and it names five different ministry callings. The church in general has disregarded that scripture. Yes. And that is a pain. That's a horrible thing. That is a painful thing. There's some major problems that we need to face if you're going to be a fivefold church. One of those things is that we are a warrior people we are called reformers. Mm -hmm. You don't fit the average packaged church. Praise God, bless them. But I don't want to be part of that. Mm -hmm. I want to be a church that believes in the ministry of the body. I believe in the five different ministry callings. We need to understand that there are major problems in the church. Again, it may sound like I'm church beating, I am to a degree, but it's with a constructive intent. There are four major wrongs in the church at large. Now, take this in and if somebody disagrees, feel free. Just tell me. The first problem is infant baptism. It is huge. I'm telling you, it's a doctrine of death. And it leads millions of people into darkness. Let me explain that. Everybody loves the picture of mama with that brand new baby, little miracle from God. Daddy with a big prideful thing, that's my baby. And everybody loves that picture. I do too. And let's pray over them and dedicate them. The problem is, all these churches that teach infant baptism tell you that they received the Holy Spirit when their infant sprinkled. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is the death note. That's right. I was raised in one of those churches. I was told as a child of Abraham, I was told that because my parents belong to this church and this church is the closest thing to the truth, for years I was told that I'm fine with God, just be good, don't break the laws, Wow. and that's where you're at. Now, in the church of Jesus Christ, I'm talking about the church worldwide, I want to tell you half of what's called the church teaches that. Now, you might say, is that important? It's hugely important. Because if you don't know that and don't have the answer to that, how do you minister to those who are trapped in that?
0: Yes, yes,
1: How do you do that? I'm telling you, it looks like a very innocent little thing until it bites you. Somehow, by the grace of God, and not because I heard a sermon from someone that said you must be born again, I'd never heard a sermon like that. Not because of somebody witnessing to me, but by the grace of God, He got me to read my Bible where I learned truth. Which got me into how do you receive the Holy Spirit? Started a study on that. In those days, I had a Bible with no reference system, so I wrote out every single text on baptism. And I got to 1 Peter 3.21, where it says baptism is the answer of a clear conscience before God. And it didn't take me three minutes. It took me two seconds to answer and say, God, I'm going to do that. Uh Now I had to go find a church to get water baptized in. Mm -hmm. You know, my church wouldn't do that. They'd be offended because you're breaking your... What they teach and believe. Right. So I went and found a church, some strange church. Their worship was so different from what I'm used to. You know, that's where I come from. If somebody dropped a pin, everybody turned their heads to stare at them. <laughs> 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 you know, the church I went to, <laughs> I said, like I say, I'm just a total stranger to the church. I saw some big, strong dude beside me, and they're singing a song about Jesus loves you, and this guy got this big tear rolling down his face. I mean, this is so strange. In my church, there's no emotion of any kind. But they announced a water baptism service that week. And I got water baptized. And then, of course, I told one or two people. On Sunday, I got this knock on the door like Gestapo. Thump, thump, thump. Two elders from the church, we heard you did this. Uh Uh Uh-huh, I did. (laughs) Well, why do you come see us? I said, well, I knew you wouldn't agree, so why talk about it? (laughs) Yeah, this is real. And then they said, well, you are under silent censure. Uh Silent censure means you cannot partake communion, and you will be attending every Thursday night for the next couple of months a meeting where we're going to talk about this, and you'll be under silent censure. You may not say one word, just listen.
0: Ah goodness!
1: That's yeah, Christian Reformed Church—that's what it was called. Yeah. It's a Calvinistic church. In any case, needs to say after about the third session, the pastor—if I can call him that—he <laughs> made a statement that was totally unscriptural, and I had my first miracle as a Christian. I said, you're wrong. <laughs> oh, <all> right <laughs> and I opened my Bible, and it fell open. My eyes fell instantly to the spot where it says, by faith. Mm. We're saved by faith. Yes. Mm. And he said something totally different. And I opened my Bible five times, and five times I got scriptures by faith. That was my first experience of a miracle in the Bible. I sense the annoying way to tell you that. Oh, God. God's so awesome, so awesome. Mm. In any case... They told me if I didn't repent, I'd be excommunicated. So I promptly wrote a three-page letter on the grace of God to accept people who don't see it the same way as you do. And I promptly fired that off to every family, but 40 families in that congregation. And I knew that if it goes to what's called consistory, it would attach my dad and two brothers or elders in other cities they'd be reading what the youngest oh, son Lord. did. <laughs> Believe me, I got to be the black sheep in the family. <laughs> you think you're, some of you folks are black. <laughs> I heard that coming. <laughs> I heard that coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I wasn't very popular. And then they announced in the bulletin that on a certain date, John DeVries is going to be excommunicated, oh. blah, blah. In the yes. In
0: the oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Wow. And, you know, nobody ever attends an excommunication service. Usually <laughs> somebody got somebody pregnant or something else or whatever and didn't repent. Bottom line was, <laughs> and I prayed about it. What would you have me do, Lord? And I was convicted to go and attend that service. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was going to show them the love of Christ regardless in that I wasn't going to put a blemish on the name of Christ. And I was just going to go through that whole motion. And I won't tell you what all took place, but I will say this. It was an interesting experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh you know, my crime for being water baptized. I'm now excommunicated. Wow. I want to tell you this, why? There's a point. The point is, I pray, my whole heart, it's on my sleeve. God, may we have a church that is, looks like the book of Acts. Yes. Yes. May we have a church that is right doctrinally. Mm-hmm. Amen? Yes. That's one. The next one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They have denied the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I have notes on all this to go through all the justifications, but let's just take the point to get further down the road. The point is they deny the supernatural and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You just put the Holy Spirit in a box and you legislate him out of church and put him in the cold storage. Mm -hmm. You have no gifts, Mm -hmm. you have no anointing, and you miss the supernatural and miraculous. Before I leave here, some people are going to get a miracle. Who? My, 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 my. My, my, my. I sense the anointing when I say that. You miss the supernatural because the gifts don't work without the anointing. The anointing comes by the Holy Ghost. Yes. Amen. You legislate the Holy Ghost out of the church. A five-fold ministry people believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: A quick survey of that is Jesus came on the resurrection day. Same day he gets into this room, 11 of them, and he blew on them. Received the Holy Ghost. They weren't baptized. That's right. right. They're born. (laughs) Why was that? Because he ascended and descended. He ascended what? Mary, (laughs) don't touch me. That's right. I have not yet ascended to the Father. Mm -hmm. Remember, she thought he was the gardener. Why? Why? Hebrews chapter 9, it says Christ, Things in verse 13, he put his own blood on the mercy mercy seat. seat. He applied the atonement. The atonement was not complete until the blood was on heaven's mercy Mm -hmm. seat. The temple that they'd made with Mm -hmm. the Ark of the Covenant and the angels and the mercy seat in between was a type and shadow of the real in heaven. Mm -hmm. There is a real heavenly mercy seat. There's an earthy Jerusalem, there's a heavenly Jerusalem. Uh-huh. There's an earthly Mount Zion, there's a heavenly Zion. The Bible speaks much on that, and that's worth the teaching. But Christ ascended and put his blood in the mercy seat. Now he comes down, the angel said, hey, you're going to meet him on the road.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And they met him that very morning. In mid-morning, it says they held his feet and worshipped him. Didn't mind being touched. He is no longer the holy sacrifice. Because the priesthood, if you were were sanctified, if you touch a dead body, you're no longer sanctified. Don't touch me, lady. Uh (laughs) Love you. But the wrong time, wrong place. Now, I love you. You want to worship me? That's fine. I'm your God. Mm. (laughs) Okay, so we get into the ascension, descension, and he blows on them to get, says, receive the Holy Ghost. Now, he comes along in Luke chapter 24, 49, I 49. believe, where it says wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise. Don't go away. You're not ready. Later on, he says, go to Samaria and go into all the world, but you're not equipped. Wait for the promise of the Father. So here they're waiting. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says we're told to wait for the promise. Hang on to that word promise if you're going to do a study. Wait for the promise. The promise is you'll be baptized in the Holy Ghost.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So, here it is, 9 o'clock in the morning. Holy Ghost comes in. Blows like a wind. Fire is on their heads. Little flames of fire. If you understand the prophetic picture, it is fire is a purifying thing. Fire shows the basic elements of all things. And he's the Holy Ghost portrayed as fire. And they began to speak in tongues and prophesy, and people said, you're drunk. Mm -hmm. And Peter said, no, hold it. This is prophesied by Joel. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: They go through a discourse with them. Then I believe it's around verse 39, give or take, where he said to those who repented, he said, what do we do? We did it. We're wrong. He said, if you repent and believe, you too will receive the promise. Remember, promise. Mm -hmm. Wait for the promise. The promise is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the promise is to you and to your children and to as many as are far off. If you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost tonight, I'm telling you, seek the baptism. It's of God. It's profound. It's what we need. And don't just stop there. If you received it, Jude says, Beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Spend time with the Holy Ghost. He is life. It's just like salvation. You don't just walk in the door and praise God, I've got it. Now I'm fine. Lord, take me home. Please, tomorrow will be just right. Especially if I'm on a down day. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) It's not that way. (laughs) It's a case that you get baptized, get equipped. Now get in the presence of God. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. Everyone the weakest Christian, the one that knows the least of the Bible, God wants to change you into a warrior for Amen. him. A reformer. I am a reformer. I see what the devil's done to the church by killing truth. We need to come against the wrong of death in the churches. A five-fold church is building that. The third church Thing that is really a damaging thing to the church is the next doctrine. The devil just throws his net out there and he sows in tares all the time. Remember the parable of the wheat? You know, Jesus said, hey, there's this field and there's wheat they're growing, and while men slept is when the tares came in. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when we fall asleep, and we're not paying attention. You're allowed to get tears sown into your life. And while men slept, tears were sown. They look like wheat, but they're not.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Therefore, we need to understand here's another one of the tears that was sown. Once you're saved, you're always saved, no matter yeah, what.
0: There
1: you go. Hello. <laughs> you know, if I ask people, those that are of a different opinion, I asked, I asked them, <laughs> you're going to be judged by God. Do you believe that? The next stop, and in the second, your last breath, that little silver cord is broken, you're gone. Whether it's a heart attack, you get hit by a bus, or you just simply quit breathing in the middle of the night. I have friends of mine, they have a daughter, she's about 39, very nice lady, active, a young lady. Um, long story made short, She just went to sleep, never woke up. Gone. The next stop is God. Mm -hmm. And may we fear that stop with a holy fear. I'm talking about a holy respect. (coughs) Knowing that that, each one of us is going to face God. Mm -hmm. Profound. In my case, I'm not too worried about that. Why? Because I believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I believe what it says in Ezekiel chapter 18 that when a righteous man dies, yes. all of his sins will never, never. be mentioned That's again. Right. Yes. I believe that. Amen. I believe in God's word. It's trustworthy. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen? But I ask the people the question, what will cause you in that judgment to enter into heaven? And they always say, because I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I always tell them, no, you're wrong. The Bible says, all those whose names are written, written in, the in the book, book of life,
0: <laughs> they
1: will be right. in heaven. Yes. And again, I'm not going to go through all the scriptures, but I'll give you a quick run through. Jesus said to the ones he sent out that saw miracles and power over demons, he said to them, you rejoice in that, but don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in your, your names and are written in the book. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen? And the apostle Paul, writing to the church, again, he said... Rejoice because your name's written in the book. And I can show you in Revelation chapter 13 where it says that all those who worshipped the wrong entity of Antichrist, whose names were never written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Amen? So your name gets written in when you accept Jesus Christ and become his. Now, we need to know that names get taken out Out. of the book. And again, I can show you where God spoke to Moses, Moses and said, yes. I take out the names of those who sinned against me. Right, yeah. Amen. Amen. What we're down to is you can take that statement and that theology and just have a fear of God. He, you know, he's allowed to demolish me forever in a place that sounds terrible. Or you can take that statement from another perspective that says God desires a relationship with us that's real. You don't get married at the altar and he says, honey, that was wonderful and I did it in church, I'll see you next Sunday at the next service. (laughs) 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 That marriage is not going to go very far. (laughs) Yeah, and oh, great, I did see you, kept your word. I'll see you next Sunday at the next service. You know (laughs) God wants a relationship of sons and daughters. Yes, yes, Amen? Whose yes, yes. many believed on him He gave him the power to become the sons of God. Amen. God help us. A 5 church believes in truth, and that's the word of God. And many are deceived. I'm fine no matter what I do. Oh, I might lose a few rewards. Excuse me, my Bible doesn't say that. My Bible says that, you know, that a person who's tastes of the Spirit of God, taste of the Word of God, mm-hmm. the powers of good things to come, if they fall away, Christ will not be crucified for them a second time. Hebrews 6.4. 6, 4. I want to tell you, that is a terrible detriment to the church. Mm-hmm. Churches, 5 ministry, are truth warriors. They are warriors that want to set things right. right and get the church on the right track. We don't hate the people who have a wrong belief. They are not necessarily our enemy. but Maybe those that preach it.
0: <laughs>
1: they are people that God wants to bring into a true saving relationship, a walk with God. Oh my, help us Lord. The fourth major truth that is lost to the churches to restore the church. And again, I consider myself a reformer. I pray that some of you here will be reformers. Mm -hmm. The fourth one is what we teach under five-fold ministry. That Christ gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. More than that, Titus 1 5 says that every church that doesn't have a multiple eldership
0: is out of order. That's right. What is that?
1: Now, elders are not meant to be named that look at me, I'm now an elder. No, they're meant to be a ministering people. Could you pop up Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17? can you switch that to yeah there we go go. verse
0: 17
1: got it elders I want to talk about that for a moment in fivefold ministry perspective here the apostle said obey those who have the rule over you now, I despise what God despises. I love what God loves. God despises a Nicolaitan spirit. What's a Nicolaitan spirit? If you study that out, there's only a couple of things in the Bible he says God hates. Yeah. But he says, I hate a Nicolaitan spirit. And If you study that through in the Greek, you're going to see it's a conqueror of the people. Meaning, leadership that have taken a position of control. Mm. Meaning, they've taken a place where you listen to me because I'm next thing to God. I'm the voice of God. And just don't you forget that. God says, I hate the Nicolaitan. Control. It's totally against God. But I do believe in authority and eldership. Mm -hmm. Because they're given for a reason. Submit to them because they watch over your soul and I want to just spend a little moment on this. If you're an elder and you're not watching over the souls of people, Come on. you don't have the right to be an elder. I don't care how many people laid hands on you or how many people said you're ordained to be an elder. If you don't have a heart for the souls of the people that you're an elder over, you should not be an elder. If you don't know people spiritually where they're at with a concern for their spiritual well-being, uh-huh. frankly, you missed the boat. You got on the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. Elders are to be a ministering people. They watch over your soul. Never allow a person the position of elder in your life. A 5 ministry person five callings, or an elder of, which may not be those five callings, after all it says in First uh, Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 if any man desires to be an elder is right. an any man elder, which has nothing to do with the calling of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, right. teacher he desires a good thing now don't ever put yourself in submission to elders who do not look after your soul that's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. I have a great respect for John and Lane and their ministry and as people in my life. And I believe we're going to have a lifelong relationship. Yes. Because of their heart to get things right, regardless of if others believe it, walk it, or whatever, they're willing to pay a price. That price is that they're not going to be received by everybody, but I guarantee you this. They're going to have a heart for your soul. Yes, sir. They're going to care about your direction. They're going to be a father and mother figure. And I praise God that there's some elders being raised up. I haven't met them all, but I believe he's got good discernment. So because he's got good discernment, I trust that some of them are genuinely focusing on being a ministry people right. for the souls of those that God brings in. Yes. And if you're going to grow, you're going to need them. Yes. You need others to teach and to mentor and to hear, to bear burdens. A real elder will sit down with a person and say, how are you doing spiritually? How is it between you and God? Mm -hmm. And we'll discuss the problems of life. We'll discuss marriage problems. We'll discuss financial problems. We're going to pour wisdom, what Lord have you do, into your life because I care for your soul, not because I want to be seen or be a somebody. That's right. Oh God, help us to be elders. May we grow to be elders, and may the eldership have a, face a huge responsibility. Genuine elders have a great responsibility under God, and that is to discern the workings of the Holy Spirit in those that God brings into their lives with a right heart and a right motive to encourage them in love and ministry the right-hearted elder will be paying attention to what the holy ghost is doing yes yeah. Yeah. fivefold ministry in fivefold ministry you have five different callings in my case I'm very slow to accept many who say I'm an apostle. I'm extremely slow because they got to run through my test system that the Lord's put into my person. The different callings produce different vitamins. It's just like we have our vitamins A, B, C, D, E, E's for the skin, A's for the eyes, I think, or something like that. (laughs) Bottom line is this we have different strengths that come forth. The problem is the historic church, which is changing all over the world, it's changing. The historic church has a Bible school and they churn out pastor, pastor, pastor. pastor, Everybody's a pastor. Or they call them (laughs) bishop. Everybody's (laughs) a bishop. (laughs) Right. But What is an apostle? An apostle is somebody that is appointed by Jesus Christ with a different calling than a prophet. Mm -hmm. Personally, when I got saved, within a very short time, I was thrown into ministry. I'm talking about a couple of months. When I was excommunicated, I'm driving home saying, Lord, where do I go? That's my home church all my life. My family attends them in different cities. And where do I go? And I put that prayer before the Lord. I lived on an acre kind of countryside of Surrey where I would built a house. I'm home for maybe 20 minutes. There's a knock on my door. There's a lady there saying, Sir, I just came back from church. I had a little nap. And the Lord put you in my mind. I wanted to ask you, I know you have got a couple of small kids. Would you send them to our Sunday school? Okay. I'd never had a knock on my door from a Jehovah's Witness, from a Mormon, and nobody living there for a couple of years. Twenty minutes after I come home is a knock on my door. Wow. And I said, we'd like to come in and discuss this for a few minutes. I'm open to the thought. She comes in, and I said, what do you do about Baptism. Oh, well, when somebody really believes in Jesus Christ and repents from their sins and truly believes that he died for them, then we water baptize them. I said, sounds great. What time's your service? <laughs> 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 well, we have one service tonight at 7 o'clock. We have this and that on whatever night it was in the week. I said, uh, I'll check this out. So I showed up. Now, when I showed up, if I knew where I was going, I would never have gone regardless of all that because my brain was ingrained that those who speak in tongues are of the devil. Oh, boy. That's what they believed. And this was a little countryside Pentecostal church. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I didn't know that until about three months later. <laughs> but there's such nice people and this and that, and long story, God, God, God. I want to tell you, God shows up and does things. So I thrown into ministry in different functions, and uh, because of what God did through my person and and life, within a year and a half, I was asked to be an assistant pastor in another Pentecostal group, Church of God Pentecostal, (laughs) and uh, long story there, and then, meanwhile, I had a second teen center, big teen center, and many teens got saved, and they'd often ask me, what should I do with my life? I suggested to them what I really believed. I said go find a good Bible school that believes in the things of the Holy Spirit. And I know one that's in Alberta. And 12 went through that Bible school in Alberta. Young people, intelligent, brilliant, live. And, you know, the dean sent one of them home and said, would you ask John if he would take and lead a crew through a number of churches in the prairies for a couple of weeks to hold ministry time?" Or, I also have a tent that we've never used. Two weeks before that, I told somebody, I said, you know, I'd like to preach somewheres outside the church because of the problems where I was running into.
0: (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Hello.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, at the time it was very upsetting. You know, they they wanted to ordain me and had this church with 110 people waiting for me to take over in the States, in Washington. And part of the ordination was you've got to agree to the ministerial things where you put in a report every week, excuse me, not every week, every month. You put in there how many people got saved, how many people got baptized in the Holy Ghost, how many visits did you make, No problem. And how many people got sanctified? Well, I had never been to a Bible school, but I certainly know theology because I spent more time in the Bible than a lot of them. And I knew one thing. I could never fill that report out. And I knew what it says in Romans chapter 14, that whatsoever you you do is not of faith is sent unto you. And I was not going to cross the line. I was willing to do whatever, go there, move, but I was not going to fill out that form. So I was waiting to see how I could discuss that and something else that I just couldn't the intro a legalism, women we we're packed, pants, you know, you're out of order and you know <laughs> uh, gotta watch that makeup stuff, you know, because, <laughs> that's right. You know. <laughs> there's a big argument about that and a preacher I appreciate he said the Barney's painting, paint it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> The bottom line is this. It's very difficult to go through that whole weaving thing of ministry. So I went up north, and the Lord showed me supernaturally, by the Holy Spirit, a town I'd never been to, where to take it. I took the tent. And I said, I better call that mayor and see if I need a permit. So I got a hold of the mayor of that town, I said, I'm coming to town. I didn't ask him if I could. The Lord told me to go there. So I, yeah, I said, I'm coming to town. I said, with a tent. I said, it's just not a big tent, a small tent. I said, but I need to consider parking. And you know, probably got to arrange some bathroom facilities, whatever. And, and if you need a permit. He said, when are you coming? And I gave him the date. He was gruff. He was negative. And like, I don't like this call. And I don't want that. But that was some days. You got to just face the opposition right. and walk with God.
0: Yeah. 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 Amen.
1: So I got picked up the team in Calgary, which from where I am at where I live, is about an eleven-hour drive in Alberta. <clears throat> Went north to Edmonton, then across the Yellowhead Highway into British Columbia to a little place. And uh, anyways, I braced myself and knocked on the mayor's door to say, "Here I am." That bus there's got all chairs and equipment and whatever and three, four more cars, and, you know, (laughs) we're here. (laughs) And I'm all braced to see this guy that's liable to just be very negative. Instead, I see this gentleman who is very soft, who politely says, I was expecting you. He says, would you care to come in and talk for a moment? Well, I didn't see a pit bull around the corner, so I, <laughs> I decided to take it in. So he says, um, he said, i got a little story to tell you. I said, I'm here to listen. He said, do you know these people? And he showed me these records, these old 78 records. I said, yeah, I know them. They're from Glad Tidings in Vancouver. He said, they're a great Christian singing group. He said, my story is this. He said, I was notified that an old friend of mine passed away, and they had the funeral on Saturday in Edmonton. I went to the funeral, and I stayed with the people who are also friends of mine, and they insisted on me coming to the church on Sunday night. He said, I accepted Jesus in my heart. Oh,
0: wow. Good. Wow, wow. Wow.
1: This is God. Wow. Now, i got lots of God story, but i just tell you it's God. Yeah. And I said, oh, that's so wonderful. That's the greatest decision you ever made in your life. I said, I want to encourage you with that. Don't just stop. I said, grow, get in the Bible, get in the word, get to a church that believes. He said, what do you do for power? I said, well, I've got this generator. They got this big generator. I said, you know, it hasn't been fired up for a few years, but I'm hoping it works. (laughs) He says, I also happen to be an electrical contractor. Wow. And I'm going to put a power pole in, and since I'm the mayor, I'm putting you where the baseball diamonds are, and where it's all bathroom oh, facilities. Oh. <laughs> <That's Wow. awesome. laughs> now, what I'm telling you is a God story. Amen. I believe in speaking the truth and not being too evangelistic yes. simply because <laughs> I respect the anointing too much. Amen. That's actually what happened. <clears throat> and in that meeting, there's an elderly gentleman showed up on about the third night uh, he was the dad of the man who's in charge of the full gospel businessmen in that town, a little town called Belmont. Anyways, uh, his name's Mr. King, and uh, he comes to me, and I'm just a young fella at that time, and uh, probably about 32 or so. You know, today I'm 75. And <laughs> he says, "Son," he says, "I'd like to talk to you for a little bit." Would you care to come and join me and my son for refreshments after the service? And I said, Well, I can't tonight. I've got a dozen young adults and I've got to set things in order, but how about tomorrow night? So I set things in order. The next night I went with his son with him and they had a table put out with a bunch of nice refreshments and things and, and he went to bless the food and he didn't even get to say more than Lord. He said, Lord, and all of a sudden he points at me with his long finger. He said, before it's all said and done, he says in the last days of your life, you're going to bring the office of an apostle into honor. Wow. <clears throat> I didn't understand that, because I believe there's 12 of them and there's no more.
0: Yes, yes, right. at that, right. Time. At that time. Yeah. But the
1: guy was so serious that I stuck it in file 99 to remember. <laughs> yeah. So, in my life, I did not try to be an apostle. For ten years of ministry where God did a lot of things in my life, I see things that some haven't seen. I would not even have a business card. Do you know why? Because I'd have to put on their pastor or something, and I was not going to take a title of anything unless God told me. I didn't want to be somebody, Unless God wants me to be somebody. I want Jesus to That's be somebody. Right.
0: Amen.
1: If you want the road to gaining from God, be willing to go down and yeah. he will lift you up.
0: Glory, glory, glory.
1: Amen. 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 Ten years. Then one day, somebody said, hey, you really need to come to Seattle. They got this big conference for uh, Christian something or other. 2,000 people are going to be there and whatever, and uh, Christian businessmen. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and this couple that lived near Seattle, um, they liked me. They said, John, well, you've got to come. We've bought tickets. You've got it all taken care of. We'll look after you. You've got to come. And I said, no, nah, I'm just busy doing a lot of things and, and uh, appreciate the invitation, but I don't think I'm going to take that. And then the Lord worked to me, and I thought, you know, none of us have it all, and we need each other. And even if people disagree with you, they still have things that you can learn from them. You've got to eat the chicken, throw out the bones. Right? So I thought, I think I'll go. And at that conference, there's this particular table where they put a few ministers and a couple of people that were well known, they're looked to as the elite in ministry and somehow I wound up being put at that table. And I'm, sit- <laughs> I'm sitting there, and my heart was not in it. Have you ever been to a church service someplace oh, oh, that's really man. good? Oh, and God. everybody's there. Yep. Yep. You're in the right place at the right time, but you're like a fish out of water. Yep. Yep. And I, I was a fish out of water. Oh, I mean, I just, God. I could not get into it or relate. And it's good stuff. They had a big <laughs> head table, 25 people and at the head table. And while someone's speaking, I'm saying, Lord, what's wrong with me? Why don't I fit? I want to tell you, in church life, you'll never have peace with God until you find a place where you fit. And when you fit, it needs to be a place where the leadership respects you as a child of God and encourages you in ministry and not just as somebody to, don't forget your tithes and offerings. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Anyhow, at that meeting, I'm looking on the head table and I see this one face. And it's like the voice inside me said, look again. And I looked again. And as I'm looking, I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, this man's prayer, I heard his prayer, Lord, how do I give my message to this people? Only God could tell me that. And I'm still a little later on looking down this line again. There's another guy. Boom! The anointing hit me. I looked at him. And I said, I've got to see what that guy is all about. So I couldn't wait now until the speakers are gone. Whatever they're doing, it's over. I want to talk to these people. All of a sudden, I'm alive. (laughs) I talked to the second guy since he's available And he had a microphone system that was running batteries that was really profound and worked real good. And I needed that for the ministry I was doing in the islands of the Philippines. So that was number one. The other guy, I said, what do you do? Where are you from? He said, Philippines. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) He said, oh, that's nice. I said, I don't know anything about the Philippines. He said, where are you from? I said, Canada. I've always wanted to visit Canada. I said, no, you want to visit? visit me Amen. I got a car says give me a call I'll pick you up at the border but a week later he calls up and says I want to come visit you so anyways I set up some small gospel meetings and they took love offerings to bless him he had a Bible school and about 15 little churches and whatever he's working in the islands and anyways uh, so I thought that was it But then when he left, he says, now I've come to visit you. It's only right that you come to visit me. And God began. Well, it hits me hard. God began a trail in my life. I've seen the hand of God in ways that I hope all of you will see in different ways. And I started to get some understanding of the call of apostle. There's several things about an apostle that you need to understand. One is, if they're not hard on doctrine, they're a teacher. They're hard on doctrine. And secondly, if they're not, as they mature, not necessarily right in day one, but as they get older, their heart's going to be not their ministry, but to raise up others as a team in ministry. If that's not there... You got the wrong person. And I'm going to get into the prophet and the teacher, and they're all different. But the main point I want to bring in is Christ ascended, Ephesians 4, 11, He ascended and gave these gifts, verse 12, for the maturing of the church for ministry. We need all five. Personally, I'm quite happy to sit down when I see some of the sons and daughters in ministry or those we encourage get up and, and, and minister the things and practice their ministry and watch them grow. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be number one. The wrong vision is to be somebody and I'm number one and recognize me, I'm spiritual. Right. The right vision is Jesus Christ is Lord. He saved me from my sin. I don't care if I've been in ministry for 50 years, it don't matter. Yes. Jesus is Lord. He's my God and I want to serve him. I'm his servant. That's why you read through the New Testament. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, an apostle. If a ministry doesn't have a servant heart, you got the wrong ministry to follow.
0: That's yes, right. Yes. Amen.
1: I learned a lot in theology and Again, I'd love to spend more time on these, but we're never going to get through the stuff I brought. (laughs) There's this business of submission and authority. I believe in authority. I just don't believe in wrongful authority. Wrongful authority has a spirit of control, and they're not really concerned about your heart. They're concerned about me and my ministry. They're concerned about your vision and how, excuse me, we are concerned about our vision and how do we fit in. But real leadership will want to know your vision and will want to encourage you and to bless. I learned way back from a young person that wasn't maybe a one-year-old Christian. I was going on some trip, and I was raising money for... Travel to this trip has involved overseas flight and a bunch of money. And I've never taken money from an offering plate in the churches. I've functioned as a pastor only for travel and to help with books and things that spread out, bring truth around. And uh, anyways, I had said, now remember folks, we're going to ministry trip. You know, those that stay at home get the same treasure as those that leave. And I never go anywhere without God touching people. I never go anywhere without seeing people saved. I just don't. I said, that's going to be your reward in heaven when you sow into my going with your dollar. I said, remember this. I've never seen a funeral with a you know, cart behind it. <laughs> you can't take anything with you. After the service, this one-year-old Christian comes to me and says, Pastor, he said, you're wrong. I said, I'd love to understand why you would think I'm wrong and explain to me scripturally. He says, you said you can't take nothing with you. I said, I did say that. He says, you're wrong. He said you can take another soul. Ooh.
0: Amen.
1: Ooh. Amen. I learned from a one-year-old Christian, <laughs> I can take another soul.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: Wow. wow. That one-year-old Christian has something that he could teach a preacher.
0: Yeah.
1: Let's be, let's be teachable. Yes. Let's all, 1 Peter five verse five, yea, all of you submit yourselves one to another. I want to be part of a leadership that's willing to submit the people yeah. that we serve yeah. that we have responsibility for. Yeah.
0: Amen.
1: When you talk about leadership, and when you talk about authority, authority has two other legs, the three legs that come with the chair of authority. The first one is the authority that you have a responsibility before God to exercise that authority to set things in order. But authority also has a leg of accountability. Accountability to God and to people. Never get under people that say, excuse me, I'm the pastor, and who are you to question me? I've got seven years of my pastor degree, Bible school. I've got another one of my doctorate. I don't really care what you've got. If you're a shepherd, you're going to love your people, and with patience, you're going to answer the questions, and you're not going to exercise a spirit of control. I'm talking about building a five-fold church. All of this is towards that. There's authority with accountability and responsibility you are responsible for when you put yourself under a eldership or ministry they need to take responsibility we looked at that in hebrews chapter 13 there's three texts in hebrews 13 that speak of dealing with eldership and dealing with authority and dealing with a holiness before God. Remember this, God raises up ministry not just to be a power over you, but God raises up ministry to be a care people to build his church. Let's take that a little further. In Matthew chapter 16, we find the scripture where Jesus said to Peter, I will build my church. We need to enter into the heart of God tonight. Are you ready to enter into the heart of God? Meaning that we want to do what he wants. He is our creator. He's our God. He's our redeemer. We fell into sin, but he made the way for salvation proper. And we can enter into salvation if we seek him and find. A lot of people don't like the sermon of hell and damnation. You don't preach hell anymore or damnation. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what Jesus preached, his very first sermon, repent for the kingdom of God's hand. In Matthew chapter 4, John the Baptist came out of (laughs) the wilderness. What's his first sermon? Repent Repent. for the kingdom of God's hand. That's actually Matthew chapter 3 for John the Baptist. Chapter 4, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Both of the first sermons were repent, meaning turn from sin to holiness. I'll probably cover this again, but I want to touch on that just for a sec because it's, it's precious to my heart. For years, I've never really understood holiness. I mean, I received it. God is holy. I can quote you the scriptures you know, Isaiah 6, I saw the Lord, the seraphims are holy, 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 and I never really understood the depth of that. I know one thing, the Apostle Paul says, the law is holy. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. The ceremonial law is gone because Christ fulfilled that. We're talking about the moral law. Deuteronomy, or excuse me, Exodus chapter 20. And you have the Ten Commandments. I looked at them as do's and don'ts. Oh, God says don't, and God says, do. I'm going to try and do that, and I'm going to try and don't that. So we got that. (laughs) And it's holy, you know. Then one day, I was just waiting on the Lord. You know, the Bible says we're to digest the word of God. And the Lord popped into my brain that holiness is something totally different than what my perspective is. Holiness is the perfection of love. Everything that is sin is a breach of love. The first four commandments are towards God. Thou shalt worship no other gods. I'm first to recognize that God is our creator. He made the world, He holds the universe in place, and to acknowledge Him as our creator. That's giving him the honor that he deserves. Mm-hmm. All the commandments are the perfection of love. Don't take my name and, and, and just use it in the wrongful way. I am holy. You can go through the first four, then you get the next six, which are towards man. You know, you don't kill. You don't commit adultery, break covenant. You don't do things that breach love, And all of a sudden it enlarged my picture that I want to be in heaven because in heaven there's a perfection of love. You never have to second guess what someone's thinking or what someone's going to do to me. You don't have to worry in heaven about anything that deals with the Ten Commandments because there's going to be a perfection of love. No one's going to steal. No one's going to covet what I've got Jealousy, competition. There won't be any of that. Horrible. Every sin is a breach of the perfection of love. God is love. He is the perfection of love. Holiness is the perfection of love. The breach of love is sin. God, help me to have a right heart and attitude wherever I go. That includes right here. But, back to John chapter 1, where John said the law came by Moses. Do, don't, and ceremony law portraying Christ. Sacrifices and all that. He said, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace is a fact that he brought by his mercy and did what we could not do. In righteousness God could not redeem us unless things were made right and God so judged, Said in the book of Romans, his judgment in chapter, Romans chapter 5 is that if sin entered the world by one man and sin passed on to all, it's a genetic thing, morally, spiritually, God so judged that one righteous man who did not sin would pay the price of death on behalf of those who are under sin, God said that equals out sin. God found a way to deal with the moral issue of sin that we could be redeemed. That is the perfection of love. God's so loved. He loves you and I. I don't care what you think of yourself. Some of you here, you might think very lowly. You know, nobody loves me. I don't have the abilities. I don't have the talent. I don't have the knowledge. I'm just fifth string never mind the third string on the fiddle (laughs) no God sees you as precious if you're talking about ministry leadership or somebody that's going to be involved with that if you're an elder you should not be that unless you see every Christian baby Christian limited Christian as precious oh God help us Help us. I'm going to take one more thought on one thing. <clears throat> Look up First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. First <clears throat> Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. I don't have it in front of me here, so I'm just going to quote it in part. Oh, here it is. <clears throat> now the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not the Spirit. It's God the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Get an idea about the Spirit, and Holy Spirit is God. How much is the Holy Spirit God? It's this much. Jesus said that all sin can be forgiven mankind, but blasphemy against the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit will not. Yeah. That's how much the Holy Spirit is God. The Spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Yeah. Amen? I want to tell you that deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons have brought so much destruction to the church. Yeah. It starts off out of the dark ages with churches coming out of the Roman Catholic Church, Teaching infant baptism that you're saved because you belong and Peter's going to let you in if you're good. Be sure to pay more money, you'll be in faster. And <laughs> Purgatory, yes. you know, yeah. <laughs> put your nickel in the box and the soul will just died to go to heaven a little quicker. They've got to spend a little time in purgatory. You know, they won't be in hell forever, but they teach purgatory. My Bible doesn't speak about purgatory. There's so much wrong, deceiving spirits. Yeah. And then you have the other four points that I went through. You know, we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about fivefold ministry. We're talking about holiness. I want to be part of building a church that looks like the book of Acts. Amen. Talking about that. The book of Acts, in chapter 2, after the anointing. Was poured out, people got baptized in the Holy Ghost. It says nine growths. If you want a sermon, study those ands. There's nine ands there. They begin in verse 40. It says, and they grew by what? They sat under the apostles' doctrine, not the teachers. Doesn't say under a ministry's doctrine. It's very specific, apostle. The revelation of the church is given to. The apostle and prophet. I'm not knocking a pastor, teacher, or evangelist. Oh God, thank you for them. We need them. But the revelation comes to the apostle and prophet. They sat under the apostles' doctrine. And besides breaking bread, fellowship together in prayer, you got nine ands there. May we build that way. May we accept the apostles' doctrine. I want to see a church that is a fivefold church that recognize the value of everyone that comes through that yes. door. Yes. Yes. May they get saved. May they grow. May we be concerned. The Bible says, bear you one another's burdens. May they be burden bearers. May they care for your soul. Amen. Oh God, we need each other. My visit here is to minister some of that. That we need a fivefold church that will grow. I see things in the book of Acts. Now, I've seen some very interesting things in God, but I have not seen fully what I've seen and read about, and I want to see it. After the baptism of the Holy Ghost and with them sitting on the Apostles' Doctrine, that's the first point, and then you got eight more ands, it says 3,000 were added in one day, 5,000 in another day. Oh God, we need the Holy Ghost. We need a revival. We need an explosion. We need something more than what we've yes. got. Amen. If you're satisfied with what you've got and you're right there, I'm there, you're in the wrong place yes. or you're listening Amen. to the wrong speaker. Amen. I want something more. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. I want to see what God shows me in the pattern. Hebrews 8:5. Moses, build the pattern, build according to the pattern. Shown you in the Holy Mount, us. He's also shown us the pattern. It's called the New Testament. Mm -hmm. He's shown us how to build and what to build. I want to see that pattern built. Yes, sir. And I pray that we can just be a small part of adding, encouraging to build that pattern. Amen. 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 God help us. Amen close out this point if you look at church problems and I'm a church problem inspector <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know how many listen to Fox News but I happened to listen to one commentator there they pointed out that there's still a thousand priests that were never prosecuted, who were guilty of molesting kids and taking an innocent kid into a world that left them in darkness and confusion, destroying the roots of their lives. I'm not allowed to voice, and I won't, what I would do to all of them. (laughs) 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 The bottom line is this the Catholic Church has a problem. Mm-hmm. What is the root of their problem? Yeah. Doctrine. Yeah. Doctrine. 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 Again, at the back, could you look up where I asked to look up before and I lost the point. Look up 1 Timothy 4, 1-3 again. I got started on, didn't finish it. Could you move on? Uh, It says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience sear the hot iron. Now, verse 3, forbidding to marry. The whole problem, not the whole problem, but a big Big part part of the problem, is forgiving, forbidding to marry Hey, God made us male and female. For
0: a reason. reason.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sex is not a dirty word. God created it. Come on. Hello.
0: Hallelujah. Fellowship. That's it. Under the right (laughs) rules of God.
1: Under the right program of God. That's right. It involves covenant and commitment. That's right. It doesn't involve (laughs) loose sex. That's right. But they said, hey, if you want to be a priest or you want to be a nun, you can't get married. And they have an atrocity history of, you know, I've studied this a lot further and I won't get into the gory details, but it's a lot worse than 99.99% of people understand.
0: That's that's a fact. Amen. Amen.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm talking about the graveyards and I'm talking about the, Thousands of baby skeletons and the old churches in Europe. under I'm talking about raw yeah, stuff. Yeah, Why? Yeah, because is. doctrine, it says a doctrine of devils to forbid to marry.
0: My, my, mine.
1: Yeah, that's the root, doctrine. And I'm trying to make a point here about fivefold ministry. Now, look up 1 Corinthians ch- chapter 7, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 9. It says in verse 9, if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. It's better to marry than to burn with passion. That's right. Excuse me. <coughs> At a certain age in life you go through a transformation <laughs> and there's hormones involved. There you go. Yep. And there's a natural desire. A woman's made to enjoy a baby. Amen? Uh-huh. That's just a natural thing. You don't have to marry. Paul said, I wish you're all like me. Save you a lot of trouble. The problems come, you got to work out with marriage. Marriage is an exercise like a garden. You got to pull the weeds out, and if you don't, so the garden will be overtaken. Come on. The bottom line it's a weeding exercise. Good marriages are made by people who have done a lot of work in their garden right. pulling out the weeds.
0: That's right.
1: Therefore, the, the Catholic Church says that, hey, that scripture doesn't exist. And it deals with a major part of life. If you didn't have what's involved here, you wouldn't have procreation and it would be a bare world. Yeah, it will. Humanity would yeah. no longer exist. So the bottom line is, doctrine has caused so much trouble. Yeah. And that's just one church, and that's just one doctrine. Right. I don't want to be a church critic. But I do want to be a standard of right yes. and righteousness, yes. and that is what we aim for in a 5 church. We believe in personal salvation yes. by substitutionary atonement. Christ paid for what I could yes. not pay for. Yes. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We believe in holiness. We believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the church, and when He ascended, He gave five different callings. I want to see that. I want to receive because I've learned you may be an apostle, but you can't build a church by yourself.
0: That's right. That's a fact.
1: We need a multiple leadership, and I've evangelized, I've seen hundreds of people come to Christ by evangelizing. You know, I've seen a lot. I'm not bragging, I'm just sharing. But I'm not an evangelist. There's an anointing on the real evangelist that gets under God that's a different calling. Mm-hmm. An evangelist is not just meant to minister outside of the church. you got to go outside. You're the evangelist, go out there and evangelize. An evangelist is meant to what? Bring the church to maturity. Therefore, it's to teach the heart and burden, and bring out that anointing of evangelism in all of us. We need the evangelists. You know, (laughs) I want to see a Book of Acts church. Praise the Lord. Can someone say amen Amen. to that? Amen. 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 Anyhow, I I do believe that we're way past the time. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, now tomorrow morning um, we have another session. I don't want you to get your beauty sleep. <laughs> and uh, then, second session in the morning, my sweetheart wife is going to share on what she's prepared in her heart. I believe it's a really good thing. Um, I've discussed it with Apostle John that for those who really want to get into some depth of thinking, of what is needful. There's eight points of what is needed to build a fivefold church. And we could have a Saturday afternoon session for those that want to. And personally, I'd rather deal with five people attending okay. that are hungry to press in than 500 who give you big applause and say you're Mr. Amen. Wonderful. Amen. You. Amen. So if there are those, let Apostle John you. know to see whether that's a good thing or not. So our hearts are with you. We didn't come here with anything else, just to be part of you as family. When we leave here, we're going to leave with a thought of family. We're going to keep you guys in prayer. We have been praying for you. You just don't know it. God, bless that church. Bless that work. And I don't mean just with numbers and finances. I'm talking about with presence and anointing and with holy vision for those that are part of that work. Because I see so many churches where they got some of the right theology. You might even believe in the vast Holy Spirit. but They don't really have a relational care for the people. Oh God, give us a shepherd's heart. Every Christian should have a pastor's heart. You may not be called a pastor but you should have a pastor's heart.
0: Yes.
1: Peter, if you love me, Feed my sheep. Amen. Feed my lambs. Amen? Amen. Praise Amen. the Lord.
0: Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805. West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina, 28079, or on the web, C3ChurchNC.org, or on Facebook.com forward slash C3IndianTrailNC.org.